Uh, Father, we thank you for the good word of God this morning. Holy Spirit, you're in charge. This is your church. This is your service. Holy Spirit, execute the Father's will here in this room on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, teach us, guide us, mature us, that when people see us, Lord, that they see you. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to start this week on the Holy Spirit and getting to know the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, we've been talking about the different teachings of Jesus in the series Centrality of Jesus. We can call it a series. It's been a couple of years. But Jesus taught truth. Jesus taught God as our Father. Jesus taught the Father's kingdom is accessible now. It's at hand, He said. And then uh, Jesus taught rene- regeneration. You must be born again. He taught obedience from the heart. And then Jesus taught and introduced the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught and introduced the person. Everybody say the person. The person of the Holy Spirit who's every bit as much God as God the Father and God the Son. And if we have an understanding of God the Father and God the Son without much understanding of God the Holy Spirit, then we have really an incomplete understanding of who God is. And so I just really felt impressed to get into the things that Jesus taught and said regarding the person of the Holy Spirit that's available. Jesus came bringing the Holy Spirit and making Him available to whosoever would receive Him receive him and so felt like what the lord was asking us to do is let's like let's like children this morning let's have childlike faith like children invite the holy spirit to introduce himself to us using of course the good word of god uh, the scriptures but inviting him to introduce himself to us so we can know him i'm i'm not trying to prove anything here this morning or the next few weeks. I'm not trying to prove anything about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to defend the Holy Spirit. I think I've maybe taken that approach uh, some in the past because He is controversial in churches. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for real. It is. And so He's a little bit, you know, I don't know about Him. We can't really control Him. What's He going to make me do? We, we struggle with control. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if I give my heart to the Holy Spirit, He's going to send me to Africa and I have to eat tree bark for a year. I mean, you know, I go on a mission trip. He's going to knock me down. Am I going to speak in tongues? Am I, you know, what's He going to do to me? <laughs> well, you're, you're safe because all we're doing in this segment for the next few weeks is we're inviting the person of the Holy Spirit to introduce Himself to us, that we would know His person. So I'm not here, I'm not talking about the gifts, I'm not talking about power and what about this and what, what, you know, even his functions and his roles. Let's get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. See, I like that approach. He can reveal himself. And let's let Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, let's let him introduce the Holy Spirit to us through Scripture and just taking Him at His Word. And and I know I mentioned this before, but I really mean it. Let's just be childlike in our faith. Let's take our preconceived ideas. And I promise you, everybody in this room has preconceived ideas about the Holy Spirit. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to strip it all back and we're going to let Jesus teach us about the Holy Spirit 
that he came teaching about and introducing. I would even say this, all four Gospels plus Acts chapter 1 all say the same phrase, John the Baptist baptized with water under repentance, but Jesus Christ will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is a major portion of the assignment and ministry of Jesus is getting you connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, immersed in Him. So let's take our preconceived ideas, you know, whether it's uh, tongues is of the devil or what's He going to do to me or whatever we've heard over the years and just let the Word of God do its work in regard to the Holy Spirit. He is a divine person. If you're taking notes, I think that's super important. The revelation of the Holy Spirit as a divine person, as every bit God, as God the Father and God the Son. Matter of fact, if you look at Genesis 1.26, what does it say? Let us make man in our image. So they're all three there in creation. He's every bit God as God the Father and God the Son. And so this revelation of Him as a divine person is not only extremely needed, it's fundamental to our knowing of God. And I've been at this church long enough. I know most all of you. And you want to know God. You want to know God just like I do. We want to have a relationship uh, with Him and grow in our understanding of Him. So let's go to Luke chapter 9. So where we're going to start, Luke chapter 9, or sorry, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. Jesus said, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Who's he talking about right here? He's talking about, he's, well, let me, I didn't make that very clear. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. When he's talking about whoever asks, receives, he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it'll be open because look at verse 11. If a son asked for bread from any father among you, would he give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, well, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, seek, and knock? How about that? So you don't have to earn Him or deserve Him, thank God. You simply ask and receive. Ask and receive. Notice that He uses a couple of descriptions there that should sound familiar to you when He says serpent and scorpion. Why did Jesus... Upon introducing, that's what he's doing, the Holy Spirit, make mention about, well, there'll, there'll be no serpent or scorpion attached to it. Because those, fra- those terms are euphemisms for the demonic, something that'll harm you. Okay, so we don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. And he may send you to Africa. But he'll be with you. And we'll send you some support. <laughs> Amen, Kyle. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He may send you to your neighbor first. And that's the truth. He may send you to your family, your spouse, your children. This is so true. 
But all he's saying is, when he's talking about serpents and scorpions, because remember when he said, I'll give you authority to trample over all serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So he's not talking about literal bugs. If you're a Christ follower, you get step on bugs. That's not what he's talking about. It's a euphemism. For anything harmful or that's of the kingdom of darkness. So you do not have to fear little children. Luke 12, 32, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. All right, and then John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Water connotes life. That's what he's saying about the Holy Spirit, that he's life. I'm going to give you life. And verse 39 explains it. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him, what's the next word? Would. Doesn't say might. If you're a Christ follower, you will receive the Holy Spirit. It goes back, even back to John chapter 3, verse 7, where he said, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Get this new spirit, new heart, which is prophesied in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, that he's going to cleanse you. This is the verses right ahead of it. He's going to cleanse you, and then you get a new heart. You get a new spirit. He literally says, I'll put my spirit in you. That's the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, declaring what was to come. And Jesus came bringing it. But notice with Ezekiel, there had to be a cleansing first. Because the temple of living God, do you not know, Corinthians says that you're the temple of the the Holy Spirit. Well, that wasn't going to happen if all your sins weren't forgiven and cleansed. You, you had to be cleansed to receive a holy God on the inside of you. So that's why Jesus, only after he was raised from the dead, in John 20, verse 22, he went to the disciples and he breathed on them and said, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. So you've been cleansed. I mean, that's how final the cleansing of your sins is, is because the Spirit of God would not be housing, you know, you wouldn't be housing the Spirit of God if you weren't cleansed. And it's not a revolving door. Thank you, Roger. That's right. So a clear major assignment here is Jesus Christ talking about and introducing the Holy Spirit to mankind. And I love that it's not for the highest and the best and the elect select and well you got to be this or born into this family or this gender or you got to be this color or you got to be this person or whatever no if you can receive you can have him Amen. the criteria for humankind to have the spirit of god is will you acknowledge you need him receptivity jesus christ himself had a relationship and reliance upon the person of the holy spirit did you notice jesus was not a lone ranger doing his best to perform well for God the Father. Jesus did not wander around Israel doing whatever he thought seemed best at the time. (laughs) We laugh, but that's what we do. (laughs) But Jesus, who himself is God, fully God and fully man, is modeling 
a relationship with the Holy Spirit and a reliance upon the person of the Holy Spirit. My goodness. He's not just wandering around doing what he thought was best for that day. He said what the Father told him to say. And then he did what the Father told him to do. Remember when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He did that when the Father told him to do it. He didn't do it at every gathering. When he cast out demons, he did that when the Father told him to do it. He didn't go around just casting out demons everywhere, doing whatever he thought was best. He's living a derivative life from the Father who himself is spirit. And so he's deriving his instructions. I mean, that's it's so powerful. He would cast out demons. He would heal people. When? When the Father told him to. That's when he'd do it. We like to read the Bible and think, well, I guess I should be doing that. No, you need to be living by every word that comes out of the living voice. Do the things He asks you to do. How did Jesus do it? Well, Luke 4.18, this is how He did it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Liberty to those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is all debts are paid and all slaves go free. That's the year of Jubilee that He's declaring. That's our job description. Why? Because the same Spirit that's in Christ executing these things wants to execute it in the current body of Christ. He's still here. But He multiplied Himself. Oh, amen. Jesus is reliant upon the Holy Spirit to execute His Father's desires, execute the Father's will. And He is the pattern Son. So that is... He's our example. So we're going to derive what to do and what to say from our Father by His Spirit governing us. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So it was the Holy Spirit. God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So Jesus did what He did by the Holy Spirit, not by His divine attributes. Philippians 2 says He emptied Himself of the divine attributes. He's doing this from a position of deriving out of His relationship with the Father and the Spirit. So that's why he tells you, hey, when you pray, begin with our Father because I'm going to give you a connection to the Father and then you're going to be empowered and have this uh, helper called the Holy Spirit to come alongside of you because he's the pattern son. And so what about the 70? When the 70 went out and uh, dealt the devil all these damaging blows, how did they do that? It was by the Holy Spirit. Now, he wasn't in them yet. They were riding Jesus' coattails, basically. His authority. But remember, they came back and he said, they were celebrating. He said, I know, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You guys were kicking his tail. He was literally, are you ready for this? If you look up the word exult, he was jumping up and down. Jesus was. Leaping. So, he's not just stoic Jesus. Monastery Jesus. (laughs) He's jumping up and down, watching the devil take a beating when his disciples do it right. 
So if Jesus Christ had the Holy Spirit in him and, and the Holy Spirit upon him as his disciples, we should have the Holy Spirit in us and upon us. We should have a connection there. The Holy Spirit baptized you in the body of Christ, Jesus Christ, and then uh, G- Jesus Christ baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Got that right. How about this one? I love this one. Let's go to John 14. Again, we're just sitting here with the Lord. Let's let the Holy Spirit teach us. Let's let Jesus, the Master, through the Scriptures, reveal the Holy Spirit to us. John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Isn't it interesting? We spent three weeks, maybe four, on obedience. And this was a major passage. Look what Brother Steve forgot, though. Look what I overlooked. How I many of you know we're all growing? There's a great revelation here. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 16, and I will send you a helper to do what? Keep his commands. See, what he showed me initially was that the keeping is grounded in the loving. And so my response was, Lord, teach me to love you. He said, I'll do better than that, Steve. I will help you keep the commands because the loving is in the helper. Well, where do you get that? Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been shed abroad in Steve's heart by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to help you keep these commands by giving you a helper. I love this. If you love me, keep my commands. I'll pray the Father. He'll give you another helper. Now, that word another, let me tell you about that. Guess what it means in the Strong's? It means another of the same kind. So Jesus was his disciples' helper when he's there in person. And now they get another helper. Another helper. And this helper is better than the first one. John 16, 7. Jesus said, it's better that I go away. Because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But it's better that the Holy Spirit comes. And here's why. Because in is better than with. In is better than with. And did they not, does that not bear out in the book of Acts? My goodness, they turned the world upside down. They went from, you know, arguing over who was the greatest (laughs) and fighting and competing to turning the world upside down. 3,000 get saved, then 5,000 get saved. I mean, and the gospel like fire spreads throughout the earth. We're, We're benefactors of what happened. Why? Because in is better than with. That's how he multiplied himself. Took the same seed of the Spirit, put him in the current body of Christ. No longer confined to just Jesus of Nazareth, but in you and in me. So the word there means another of the same kind. If you love me, keep my commands and I'll pray the Father and He'll give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. How many of you remember David's prayer in Psalm 51? Uh, Please don't take thy spirit from me. You don't have to ever pray that. Because when, when you have the spirit, He's in and He'll abide with you forever. Difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Nobody in the Old Testament was born again. The Holy Spirit would come upon them for an assignment, but Christ hadn't died for the sins of humanity, so the Holy Ghost wasn't living in. 
because they hadn't been cleansed. There was no union that way. My goodness. So the Holy Spirit gives you power, love, and intimacy, indwells you to do what? To help you love God and keep His commands. I want you to notice, though, when we were talking about obedience, in verse 16, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit is the doer. He's the helper. So there is a partnership. Amen? There's a partnership. The Holy Spirit is not the doer. He's the helper. So don't, don't think you can just prop your feet up and see the, the kingdom of God spread throughout your house and your neighborhood. <laughs> if I could find a body... If I could find a body I could use. (laughs) Oh, that's good. How many remember last week when Jesus told the Pharisees, you do the deeds of your father? It's a law. It's a principle. It's John chapter 8. You do the things your father does. And then he went on to tell them, well, you're of your father the devil. Because they kept saying, well, we're of Abraham. And then they're like, no, okay, we're of God then. He said, no, you're of your father, you're a devil. Uh, you're of your father, the devil, and you do the things naturally that he does. But how many of you know we're born again, so we naturally, supernaturally, do the things of our dad? We've been born again. And so we naturally, supernaturally, do the things of our father. Jesus says, and it's up there in verse 18, I haven't read it yet, but he said, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. If you look up the word, literally what he said was, I won't leave you without a dad. Now that's empowering because now, Kyle, as a born-again child of God, I can do the things my Father does because He's in me. DNA means divine nature of the Almighty is on the inside of us. I'll not leave you as orphans. All right, let me finish the Scripture. Verse 17. He's going to send the, the, uh, another helper. He'll abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because they can't see Him. And the world is carnal. So if they can't feel it, touch it, you know, see it, then they don't believe in it. But you know Him, for He dwells, there's that word, with you. How's the Holy Spirit dwelling with them right now? Who's He in? He's in Christ. All right? So when He's talking to the disciples, He's saying, the Holy Spirit is with you now, but He will be in you. Why? Because in is better than with. The disciples are proof. I mean, they're holed up after Jesus is crucified. They're holed up afraid. They're hiding. But power and presence and person moved into them. Changed them. Verse 18, here it is. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. Oh, did you catch that? Who's coming back to them in the person of the Holy Spirit? Who's coming to them? Christ. Christ is coming to them in the person of the Holy Spirit. My goodness. The Holy Spirit is God, and He is also God saying to you, I am with you by my Spirit forever. Help us, Lord. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is God saying to you, I am with you by my Spirit in you forever. Forever. 
Never to leave you or forsake you. That's why when we talked about on Easter Sunday, the death of death, as a born-again child of God, you'll never see death. You'll just chuck the earth suit and he'll be with you when that happens and then he'll be with you as you're entering into heaven as well. Yeah. From one dimension to the next, just like that. You'll never see death because he's with you forever. So contrary to the Old Testament... And we talk a lot about new covenant economy here at Grace Church. We relate to God based on a new covenant economy. And one of the principles of that is that the Holy Spirit is no longer an occasional select phenomenon reserved for kings and priests, prophets. He's an intimate and close friend that indwells every Christ follower. And as I said earlier, you don't have to say, well, Father, don't take your spirit from me because he won't. He'll abide with you forever. All right, let's look at this one. Jesus indeed has not left us as orphans or fatherless. He has poured in us and on us the same Holy Spirit through whom he lived, loved, and executed his Father's will. The Holy Spirit is not an it or tongues or gifts Or miracles, he's actually a divine person. Are you tracking with me? He's not an it. He's not reduced to, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, that's tongues. No, wrong. He's a divine person. Oh, well, okay, if you're talking about the Holy Spirit, he's the gifts. No, he's not. He's a person. There are tongues. He has gifts. There are miracles. But he's a divine person who has made us part of God's family. By which we can pray, our Father, who art in heaven. He's alongside of us and in us, ready to teach us, guide us, and conform us to the image of Christ. I know we understand the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but do we commune with the person of the Holy Spirit? And that's really what this is about. Lay aside all the controversies. Lay aside all these preconceived ideas. And let's, let's get to know the Holy Spirit. Let's get to know Him. Walk and talk with Him. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 13, verse 11. This is Amplified, classic edition. Finally, brethren, farewell, rejoice... Be strengthened, perfected, completed, made into what you ought to be. Be encouraged and consoled and comforted. Be of the same mind with each other. Can I get a witness right there? Be of the same mind. Live in peace. And then the God of love, who is the source of affection, goodwill, love, and benevolence towards men. That's agape love right there. The God of agape. And the author and promoter of peace will be with you. Greet one another with a sacred kiss. Now, do I need to explain this? (laughs) It's a sacred kiss, consecrated kiss. All the saints, the people of God, salute you. Now, look at this, verse 14. The grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the presence and fellowship the communion and sharing together, participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And so be it. So we have the love of the love of God, 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the koinonia, partnership, intimate communion with the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement to you today is, yes, you know the love of God and we need to keep knowing it. And yes, we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to keep knowing Him. But are we fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit? I gave you this stat many times this year. 69% of Americans claim to be Christian. Only 29% of those claim to be born again. And of course, born again is born of the Spirit. I don't even know how many of those would say, yeah, I'm I'm in communion with the Holy Spirit. They may just have checked born again on the survey because they'd heard Jesus talk about it. I don't know. But the bottom line is, are we in partnership? The word koinonia, partnership, spiritual fellowship, intimate communion with the Holy Spirit. So number one, when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, start with the awareness that He's a divine person and you want to get to know Him. Number one, that's where we start. Okay, I'm aware that He's a divine person. He's not just all the gifts and He's not all the things He does. I want to get to know Him. Start also with the awareness that He Himself is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is not the silent member of the Trinity that we just put over in a corner somewhere because we're busy reading the Bible. More important than reading the Bible is sitting with the author. And so we commune with the Holy Spirit. Don't, Don't crack the book without the Holy Spirit being invited to teach you and explain to you. Live in the awareness. Number two, live with the awareness that He is Jesus Christ with you and inside you, listen to me, in the present tense. One of the greatest things about the Holy Spirit is He is Jesus in the present tense. He Christ. He's Christ in you in the present tense. Jesus said, I'm going to you know, pray to the Father. He'll send you the Holy Spirit. I won't leave you fatherless. I'll come to you. I'll give you another, one just like me. The essence of me, I'm going to give to you. The essence of me. Matter of fact, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is sent to you in His name. The word name means in His essence. It's His person. I'm going to send myself to you. The Father will. That's powerful. The Holy Spirit is Christ in you in the present tense. This is very important because I think many Americans, you know, they love and honor the historical Jesus, but they don't know Him in the present tense. Are they walking with Him? Are they listening to His voice? And then number three, give Him your full attention, give Him your full heart, and enjoy your koinonia with Him. Get to know Him. There's testimony after testimony among Christ followers of how when they got to know the person of the Holy Spirit, their life began to be transformed. Why is that? Second Corinthians 3.18 says, well, I'll start in 17. It says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is lording you, there's liberty. Freedom starts showing up when you get to know the Holy Spirit and you put Him in charge. And then verse 18 says, for we all, as in a mirror, are beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we behold the glory of the Lord in a mirror, we're transformed, we're changed into His very own likeness. By the Holy Spirit. There is testimony after testimony of Christ followers who in their 
in their knowing and walking with the person of the Holy Spirit have seen radical transformation in their hearts and lives. Let's get to know the Holy Spirit. Even me personally, he, as I got to know the Holy Spirit, He's the one who began to unveil to me the reality that Christ had been living inside of me since the day I was born again. Amen. Thirteen years old. I went at least seven years with no concept that He was with me and in me. No understanding. And so I tried hard from age 13 to 20 to be a Christian. And I was terrible at it. I failed miserably. I was a slave to guilt. I was a slave to condemnation. I was a slave to transactional living. If I did good, God was going to be good to me. If I did bad, well, here it comes. He's going to do something nasty to me. That is not the new covenant. I've been given Christ in me. I was working my head off to get blessed, get some money, get God to do stuff for me. He was in me. And so finally he said, the Holy Spirit taught me, I guess probably around age 20 when I encountered Christ, the person, for the first time. He said, when I came inside of you to live, Steve, what did you not get? What is it you lack? So why are you doing all this religious stuff to try to get me to give you stuff? And then he, when, once I became a pastor, the first book I wrote was Reformation, Reformations in Prayer because he trashed my prayer life even as a pastor and said, you're selfish. All of your prayers are self-centered. Don't you dare. He said, don't you dare teach my people to use prayer to get stuff because they're too great a creation to be satisfied Amen. by stuff. Amen. Get their eyes off of stuff. Get their eyes on me. Have them utilize prayer to know me. What about witnessing? Yeah, when they witness, they'll do that to get to know me. What about praise and worship? Yeah, when they worship, it's to get to know me. What about church attendance? Yeah, when they go to church, it's to know me. Everything is to know Him. Amen. Testimony after testimony. All right, last one. John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, there it is, in my name. How's it coming? In His name. The Spirit's coming in His name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. Let me give you context because I skipped some scriptures in John 14. Listen to John 14, verse 13, and see if it rings a bell. Well, I'll start with 12. It's good too. Truly I say to you, whoever believes on me, the works that I do, even greater works he will do because I'm going to the Father. And when he goes to the Father, I'm sending you the Holy Ghost. Verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do. How's the Holy Spirit coming to you? In his name. Whatever you ask in and by my Spirit, I will do. Not J-E-S-U-S. Right? That's what I did. I was tagging Jesus onto all my prayers because if I asked it in His name, I would get something. <laughs> you laugh, you did it too. Don't sit, don't sit there. We've all done that. If I tag Jesus' name onto it, then He'll probably give it to me. Right? Gimme, gimme, gimme. My middle name is Jimmy. My last name is Moore. That was my prayer life. then he showed me in Matthew 6 that he knows what I have need of even before I ask. So, Steve, why is your prayer time 90% asking for stuff that already know you need? How about you use prayer to get to know me? 
And if one of us is going to do 90% of the talking, it should probably be me. He told me that too. I mean, not me. He said that to me. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. That the Father be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's John 14, 13, and 14. Let's go back to this. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you in my name, will teach you all things. Where two or more of you have gathered together. In what? We wrote J-E-S-U-S on the wall? No. We're gathered together. In and by and through His Spirit. There He is in our midst. And He'll teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance everything I've told you. Stephen, you guys go ahead and come. I love this one too because He's our teacher. And He's more than a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a coach and He'll coach you in the game of life. Amen. He'll coach you in the game of life. And he won't just coach you when you won. <laughs> He'll really coach you up. Right, Larry? He'll really coach you up when you blow it big time. But that's the benefit of him abiding with you forever. Because the whole reason you knew you blew it is because he's in you. And saying, you know what? That, that was not me. <laughs> that's not who we are anymore. We're not doing that. My goodness. What a privilege to have the Holy Spirit as a person dwelling within us, opening the classroom of our heart 24 hours a day so we can ask Him what we would like to know. Yeah, that's so powerful. I'm going to say it again. What a privilege to have the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us, opening the classroom of our heart 24 hours a day so we can ask Him what we want to ask Him. It is wonderful to know that as we study the Scriptures, the divine author is actually with us and in us to interpret and teach us its real innermost meaning. Yeah, I hear you. He just spoke to me. I want to read this to you. Acts chapter 3, because there may be people who think, well, I don't know. I mean, the Holy Spirit sounds great, sounds approachable. Jesus taught on the Holy Spirit. He introduced the Holy Spirit. He came to immerse us in the Holy Spirit. Is it really for me? All right, here's the answer. Acts chapter 2. Therefore, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and all the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now that's an altar call. Not some orator inviting people, but the people themselves cut in their own heart to say, brethren, I hear what you're saying. Would you help me? What shall we do? Here's the answer. Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. Luke 24, 49, the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord would call. And if you're a human being, He's calling you to fellowship and intimacy with Himself. And there's no greater intimacy than inside. 
Amen. Will you stand with me?